Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast, where I interview leaders in allied healthcare, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to financial independence. In this episode, I interviewed Heather Denman. This episode is about creating telehealth practices and changing people's lives through an incredible technique called total motion release. Heather walks us through how she was inspired to start her telehealth practice, the challenges she faced, and how she is making amazing impact in her patients' lives through total motion release. I encourage you to listen all the way to the end as she dives deep and gives a very detailed explanation of how you can use this technique in your practice today. Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Heather Denman, who after 20 plus years as a pediatric physical therapist is now starting a new chapter, a telehealth clinic based for children. Thank you so much for being here, Heather. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I would love for you to share with the listeners how you came up with this amazing idea to start a telehealth pediatric practice. Okay. You know, many people for many years have been suggesting that I consider opening up my own practice, my own business. And that offered novelty. It, you know, it sounded exciting, but I really just didn't feel comfortable going into that um, aspect, I guess. Um, running my own brick and mortar was not something that really appealed to me. In all honesty, I looked at myself and my skill level and felt like that really wasn't necessarily something I'd be good at. Doing the whole business thing, um, working with insurance companies. I love working with patients. I really, really enjoy the one-on-one with the families. And getting too much into the business end um, didn't sound like a good fit for me. However, as life will have it, life kind of just guided me. We had, uh, I, I've for many years worked multiple jobs as I think is common in physical therapy. And um, one of the jobs that I was working was home-based home health physical therapy. Been doing that for probably 18 years. And the company that I've worked for for the past 13 years was sold. And, and that happened actually just this year. And when that happened, Uh, the new company is not going to be picking up pediatrics. So my first instinct, I went to my, I work at a clinic, an outpatient um, clinic as their sole pediatric physical therapist. Um, I have an assistant who works with me who's wonderful, but I went to them and he's an entrepreneur, the owner. And so I spoke to him and he was right on board. Let's see if we couldn't add home health. So the, the basic idea that I'm trying to get to is that I started pursuing many options. What could I do? I had all these clients that I was working with in home health that I didn't want to let go of as a physical therapist. And especially in pediatrics, you get incredibly attached to your patients. And I literally call them my children, kids. And I have to clarify sometimes, no, I don't mean my biological children. I mean my patients. But I have clients who I've worked with for 18 years and some less than that. And and we're, as you can imagine, incredibly bonded. So I wanted to figure out something to do for them. You know, we considered the avenues, pursued it, and nothing was coming together the way we would have preferred. Mm-hmm. So uh, another idea had been kind of hovering in the back of my mind. Um, I know we're going to talk about it. I have a specialty in total motion release and a certification, and there's not a ton of us at this moment spread out in pediatrics that um, have the training. And so I was contacted by somebody in Georgia who wanted to have me help her child. I 
contacted the my teacher who has the resource for uh, everybody certified in tone motion release or rather trained not even certified but just trained in tone motion release around this woman in Georgia literally not a person there was no one in the state of Georgia who she could access for the service she preferred she asked if she could ju- jump on a plane and fly to come see me wow which shocked me that anybody would want to jump on a plane to fly and come see me obviously was very flattering Um, But it started my mind thinking, and that was last year, about how could I access and offer services to somebody that was at a remote point? Now, currently, I can't legally offer services to anyone outside of my home state, although there's lots of stuff on the horizon to improve that as well with a um, physical therapy, excuse me, physical therapy compact across the states and whatnot. But that led me, as I say, you know, a combination of various factors happening in my life to get my mind considering it, as well as the loss of a job, the loss of employment. And we were not able to come up with a way to replenish that. And that was a third of my income. Gave me the, I guess, the time to consider doing the telehealth. And when I started researching it, it made me incredibly nervous. Uh, The idea of starting my own business could I do this? I really had no idea what I was doing. So many factors. And the minute I answered one question, three or four more popped up in its place. And so I did start investigating it, but there were many, many points. There was probably a good month or more before I would say I am starting my own business. I said, I'm considering always throwing this little disclaimer in there because I never wanted to commit. Um, So I don't, Did I get that question? No, you you did great. You know, need and necessity inspires change and innovation. This loss of job created a need for you to create something different, and it inspired you to make this change. And this is exactly why I created this podcast. It's because that barrier to entry for these incredible endeavors is so high, and it's so difficult. And I think that if there were more people like you and me sharing our stories, I think that barrier of entry would be so much easier, and our patients would would really reap the benefits. I've considered management. I used to do management. I really enjoyed it. But I, my, I've got a daughter who's headed to college. And we've got another year, but it feels like it's tomorrow. And in visiting some of the colleges, um, I know one of the professors said, the jobs that your kids are going to have haven't even been invented yet. And, or even thought of. And that triggered, because I was already in this process, I thought, I could never have dreamt of considering doing telehealth physical therapy when I graduated in 1997, before probably many people listening were born. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, you are so true. Technology has inspired a whole new wave of clinicians, and we have to adapt. Adapt to the technology, adapt to the changing in the healthcare system. We have to stay new and novel, because if we don't, we're going to be left behind compared to these other professions. I agree 100%. Now, Heather, was it difficult for you to take on this challenge and take your time away from the easy aspect of treating individually and having, say, a stable, permanent position in a normal outcome? patient practice? Um, The difficult part has been the time required to start a business. I am one of those people who rarely just sits down and does nothing. I'm typically moving and going. Even if I'm watching TV, I'm doing treatment notes or researching or something like that, which maybe isn't always the best, but it's part of who I am. 
So I have a hard time not doing, but with starting the new business, I have been doing, 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 and I literally have to force myself to take breaks, to take walks, which in some ways has been really good to step away. And I know I'm only partially answering your question, but you were asking if it's hard. The hard part has been the startup. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of time. Some of it's really fun and super interesting. And I can't even tell you my brain is expanding with knowledge. Like I just, I haven't probably done since graduate school or undergrad or whatever. I probably graduate school. Graduate school is a lot more information (laughs) intense than undergrad. Undergrad was just really, really fun. But this has been, you know, I've learned how to, with the help of a brother who's an IT specialist, I have learned how to uh, make my own WordPress website. I have, he's been very big on basic direction, kind of like a dad. He takes a dad approach. Um, here's one or two steps. You do the rest, you know, go to YouTube, do this. So I've, you know, and then he'll help me, but he just feels like I'll be so much more empowered if I do it myself and he's not wrong, but it makes it very difficult. Um, I'm a photographer as well. And I do Photoshop and learning WordPress was very much like learning Photoshop. It's this massive, massive program. And there's 10 different ways to do the same thing. So it's, it's a lot. And then learning everything involved in telehealth, learning how to be HIPAA compliant, learning how to um, just uh, all the platforms that I might consider using huge. And some days my brain just hurts and I have to step back now more specifically to your question. So that's where the work has come in. Doing the telehealth so far has been super fun. I get really excited. I did a session yesterday morning with a woman who, oh my gosh, she was into fitness. So, which I just asked her based on looking at her, you know, I could observe just as you would in a personal session Mm -hmm. in in a, I shouldn't say personal, but in a direct one-on-one session, I observe, I observed her. I observed what situation was, what was in her room, what was in her space. And with pediatrics, you have to be incredibly flexible. I could have a treatment plan in mind, but many times the minute that kid enters the space, my treatment plan is gone. Um, I have to adapt and change. And it's the same exact thing with telehealth. So I feel like with pediatrics, it lends itself really well to a carryover to the telehealth. And the more sessions I do, the more comfortable I get Um, To some degree, to a small degree, I felt a little bit like a new grad. Um, Those first few days, the first few months uh, when you graduate school and you're working in something you enjoy, but you're constantly nervous because you're constantly trying to make sure you actually provide a good service and you actually know what you're doing and you actually are providing what is needed in that moment. And some of that same nervousness and apprehension has come back, which I haven't felt in some time, (laughs) Um, but it's also going away. So, and there's constant learning curve. I I keep thinking every single day, more and more ideas. I literally have notes everywhere, pads of paper with notes (laughs) everywhere as I think of ideas that I need to expand and people offer me ideas. So it's, it's really exciting and fun because having done pediatrics for so long, some of it is, even though what I enjoy is the variability, 
some of it isn't nearly as variable because I've, I've had a lot of those experience, experiences rather. You are exactly right. With something new as an entrepreneur, there are so many challenges. And I think one of the most difficult challenges is really trying to find one singular path. There are so many different technologies you have to learn and there are so many ideas you start creating. It's like once you become an entrepreneur, there's like this switch that's been turned on and it opens up a new part of your brain and it's really hard to shut off this creative part. I feel the same way. Now that I've gotten started with this podcast and I'm speaking to more and more people, it's like each day I have more and more ideas and it's like, I want to do this and this and this. And it's really hard not to get strayed by this shiny object system. You know, when you're like, oh, that's a great idea. And that's a great idea. But wait, this is priority A. So definitely trying to find a focus is one of the biggest challenges I think new entrepreneurs have in addition to WordPress and all the different technology, which can be extremely overwhelming. Now, you shared already a little bit about some of your greatest highlights, but do you have any more achievements or accomplishments you want to share through this process so far? Well, I'm still relatively close to the beginning of all this, as um, as you know, listeners may not totally know. So I could say, you know, achievements would be, as you mentioned, um, learning and tackling new platforms, WordPress. Um, by platforms, I also mean the platforms with which I need to use to conduct the video conference itself. And that has not been smooth. I will admit I started out with one platform and I don't really want to mention what it is strictly because I had some difficulty with it. And I, but I think that it's possible that my experience was somewhat isolated. So the last thing I want to do is paint a a dark picture of a platform that in many ways I think has a great potential, but they're also a startup. I get the impression at one point I asked him, am I your only client? <laughs> because you have to realize, and this is what my husband and I spoke about um, one day, we're all new to this. Telehealth is new. So these platforms are new as well. And I, it's not really fair for me to expect perfection from something that's new. I would like it. It'd be wonderful, but it's not really terribly realistic. So I need to cut them some slack as they grow and adapt and learn how this all works as well. However, with that said, I was getting a lot of dropped calls, Mm -hmm. uh, video video calls. And to the point that I I got excited, I upgraded my home system, my Wi-Fi and everything, thought, although it rates well, let's can't hurt. And I had my first call after that with zero dropped calls um, during the session thrilled, thought, okay, we've, we've tackled this. We've done great. Did a session that evening. Luckily it was, um, it was truly a a session, but it was with a friend and we had five drop calls in 20 minutes. And I just, okay, this is not, had I been working with a paid customer in that moment, that would not be okay. That looks very unprofessional and um, doesn't bode well. It would be a definitely a black mark against the telehealth so that spurred me to have to pursue some other avenues, which led me to uh, Google and Google G Suite. And I'm happy to share that so far. I will say I'm still at the beginning of giving them a good test drive and a test run, but there are some really great resources online that I have pursued um, through other therapists, other individuals who are also looking into telehealth. And that's been very interesting because I put it out there. I asked on a Facebook group, 
what do you guys think? Has anybody used this? And not too many people had. There was one gentleman on there who helped guide me towards Google using it for uh, electronic medical record, mm-hmm. which is why I looked into it. But I had no idea how all-encompassing and HIPAA compliant it could be if you go through the G Suite, the business end of it. But uh, So I've just been using that a short time, but so far I have not had a single delay, a single dropped call, or a single problem. So that has been, as I say, a learning curve. And when I get into Google, many people use Google Docs, Google Forms, all of this. I have two teenage daughters. <laughs> they both use it. I have an exchange student. She uses it proficiently. And I knew at some point it would be great for me to learn that. So now I am forced to learn the entire Google suite of benefits. But again, that information is only going to help me in my life, whether it be through this business or anything else. I've always used the computer. I've always been fairly good at figuring things out. So I'm not afraid of it. It's just a lot. Additional successes, um, really at this point, I would say it has to do just with amazing acquisition of knowledge, increased understanding of the resources out there. It's amazing at every step of the way when I run into a challenge, almost they say a door closes, a window opens. That's been happening a lot. And sometimes those windows are, I might have two or three windows opening at once, which lead me down other shiny object paths, as you had mentioned, they're exciting. And sometimes they aren't maybe the right path, but it's worth considering. Mm-hmm. No, I not pursued this. None of that would have happened. And that's been fascinating to me. Excellent answer. I agree with you. Those little achievements are big in themselves. Just getting your technology to work is huge because that's one of the biggest steps to getting your business started. And so in my book, that is a definite accomplishment. So I know that you are certified in total motion release. Could you tell myself and the listeners a little more about total motion release and how you get certified? Sure. Total motion release is, some would call it a technique. Many who work with total motion release call it a platform, the foundation for every other treatment that you might do. It was originally developed by a physical therapist for adults, Tom Delonzo Baker. You can certainly research him and his practice. There's also links on my website to him. However, he again developed it for adults. And there's a great backstory and everything. It's really interesting how that came about. It has a lot of basis in techniques and practices that have been around for many, many years. But the ease of access of total motion release has created an entirely different way of using the practice than what was available previously. Now, Tom had worked with a particular woman, Susan Bloom, and Susan Bloom is also a physical therapist, but she's a pediatric physical therapist. She had all sorts of concerns and ailments about herself physically. She was treated by Tom and certain issues with for which she had had many different varieties of treatments without success or perhaps without full success. And again, easier to read her story on her page uh, she has total motion or TMR tots would be where you could check her out and her story. She, but she started having tremendous release and relief from issues that had not previously been able to be conquered for her, which then led her to think, how can I adapt this to work with pediatrics? 
what could I do with this for the children I work with? Because with the adults, the technique is very hands-off. You find out what an individual's issue might be and you look for limitations within their body by asking them to do certain functional movements. And then you verbally direct them in most cases or in many cases to work in certain specific movement patterns to cause release of their um, restrictions and tightness. Susan, however, and working with pediatrics, you so often need to put your hands on a client. And I know this is going to sound counterintuitive to doing telehealth, but I'll get there. Um, So her approach, really, it's children age birth to, you know, over 100. Because there are going to be some individuals who need someone else to help them with the treatment. They can't, for whatever reason, complete the task themselves. So the total motion release pediatric approach, or they've nicknamed it or renamed it um, teens and tots, you know, it's going through an evolution in and of itself. The pediatrics version is much more about the hands-on approach. So, and I can explain that a little bit more about total motion release in a second, but with the telehealth, the same, what I'm doing then is teaching the parents to do the work with their child. So they, which is the same thing I do in the clinic, except that I might initially have my hands on the child in the clinic, which can sometimes not be quite as empowering as having the parent work directly with their child from the start. Mm -hmm. And that's something I try to tell the families when they ask me, well, is the telehealth as effective as in person? Like, well, in some ways it can actually be more effective because the parent is going to have the greatest effect on their child. And especially if they can work with their kiddo multiple days a week, every day, preferably. And if my hands are on, I can feel their kid. I can figure out what they need. I can tell the parent, but the parent actually doing it, understanding it and figuring it out is what makes the difference. Now, the way total motion release works in part is that you're looking for areas. It's tough to summarize. I'm going to say that it's tough to give you a quick little summary, but you're looking for areas of restriction in the body. And we all know that the body really works together as a whole. So even if you have a restriction on your side, let's say something tight over here, it could be a scar, it could be uh, something binding down inside, muscle tightness, then that is going to affect movement everywhere else in your body, or it can at least. So if I'm going to exaggerate it, but if I'm really, really over to my right I can move my left arm pretty easily, but my right arm is pretty stuck. I mean, I could probably move it out here pretty well, but I can feel pain and discomfort and issues. Uh, So we really need to release this. Traditional therapy would say, okay, if you're bent over to the right, we're going to stretch you out. Total motion release takes an almost opposite approach. What we're looking at is that we have stretch weakness going on over here. This side is overstretched. This side is bound down and, and stuck. So how are we going to release that? How are we going to get that? We're not going to stretch it, which could cause um, micro tears, micro traumas Mm -hmm. to the structures. Because who knows, are we dealing with muscle? Are we dealing with fascia? Are we dealing with something, a scar tissue issue going on here that isn't going to react well to a pure stretch? Plus that pure stretch is uncomfortable. It's, you know, and children don't like it. No matter, we adults can look at it and say, it's a good pain. Mm-hmm. 
because we know we're getting success. Kids can't differentiate good pain, bad pain. Pain is pain. So why do that? So instead, we're going to get this side to relax, go the direction of ease, go the direction of comfort, allow that side of the body, and I'm making this very simple, to really relax and let go, much like if you had a knot in a string. And if you pull super hard on that knot, all you're doing is tightening it. You could perhaps get increased length if it tears. Otherwise, you're just tightening it. However, if we push the ends together, if we relax it, much as instead of pulling here, we relax it together, then we have a chance. It's loosened up at that knot. We can get it to let go and realign into the full length that would have been originally available. We're not looking for added length. We're looking for what would have been there of, um, originally. So just like when you do a traditional stretch, you're trying to get the original length, not overstretch, but the original. So with the release, we're getting that to relax and release such that then the individual can come up. That has released. Now I've got arm movement. Maybe my original issue was actually that my right shoulder was stuck. But the right shoulder was stuck because I was bent over and, and stuck over here. Once I release that, I have increased motion. And then I can also work on some strengthening of this opposite side that's down the road but in order to maintain the motion. So that's a very intro touch to what total motion release is about. And there are approaches to the adult version. There are total motion release classes for adults. There's total motion release classes for pediatrics. They're amazing, amazing. They will change your practice and your career. There are three courses in, for e, in the series. In mo I believe, and I could be wrong, things change, but I know with the pediatrics approach, the TMR TOTS, you can sign up and take the first course. And then if you really like it, and which is what happened to me, I signed up only to take the first course. Then after that, you can sign up to take all three at a significantly reduced amount. The certification comes if you take all three courses, and you can definitely, my practice changed after the first course. I came home and, and had changes with patients. I have a great story if you end up wanting it, but I have a, the very first course changed it. But then I was still confused. There was still so much I didn't quite understand and cases that I'd run into challenges with. So taking the second and the third course were super important and super valuable. And then getting the certification happened after I finished the courses, I contacted the instructor, Susan uh, Bloom, and she sent me the requirements, which involved a test and completing uh, examples of treatment, videotaped treatment, of course, at the release um, and uh, the parent agreed to it, of course, that it could be shared. And so she could supervise and assess whether or not I had a very good understanding of the approach, as well as she sent, there were a lot of complicated questions, um, complicated cases that she wanted to make sure you knew what to do with. So that was how the certification, as well as you had to pay some money. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. I think that is super helpful for anyone practicing with adults or pediatrics, especially with the older population as well, where you don't want to injure them, you don't want to overstretch. So I think this could be used in a variety of different settings. If you have time, I would love to hear the extra story you were going to share. Sure. Um, I have a couple. And the first one, though, the one that really blew me away was a young lady I'd been working with who had had cancer. She'd undergone 
chemotherapy treatments. As a result of the treatments, one of the medications had caused this previously typically ambulating child to become a toe walker. And I had worked with her for a tremendous amount of time. When she first came to me, she couldn't even roll in bed because of pain and weakness and all these other things. So we had gotten to a great point where she was independently walking. Things were going really well, but she was still toe walking. I'd been a therapist for many, many years. I had many skills uh, to work on toe walking. That didn't phase me. So we worked on the toe walking. However, this young lady had been through a lot. And as a result, I feel like perhaps they had some difficulty with some of the exercises and activities and the compliance at home. And I, I was always super careful about not doing a direct stretch to an ankle. I think that that can cause rocker bottom, can cause a lot of other inadvertent problems. I've run into that with parents in the past, not my own care because I've never suggested it, but where I got the case and they developed rocker bottom overstretched the plantar surface of the foot. And so we did other approaches, squatting, you know, traditional stretching to the musculature, uh, hamstring stretching, all these things, as well as I worked with her in the pool, you know, typical approaches, even looked at wedging, but we were at the point of putting her in night stretching splints and perhaps some orthotics for the day. Mm-hmm. And mom was just not excited about that. Neither was this little girl who was probably eight, eight years old at the time, totally typical cognitively. She wasn't feeling it. She'd been through a lot. So we were waiting. We kept putting that decision off, but it was really what I knew was going to have to happen. So I went to my first total motion release class, not knowing it would impact this child at all, came back and said to the mom, all right, we've been stretching. We've been working to increase her ankle range of motion and dorsiflexion. That's been what we've been trying to do, but we've been doing again through squatting and other facets that would achieve that. This is painful for me to even suggest, but we're going to actually point her toes down. We're going to put her into even more plantar flexion, which will, and I'm not going to bring my foot up here for you, (laughs) but will cause relaxation and release at the structures of, at the back of the ankle. We also looked at other areas within her body, twisting, side bending, arm raising. She had a port actually on the left side of her body, a med port, and definitely had restriction there. She had pain with and would protect that spot. She'd sleep in a curled position to protect that port from pain. Every time she got pain, I'm sorry, every time she got an injection of medication, it would in, increase her pain and cause her pain during the experience. I didn't honestly know that at the time. It wasn't something mom had mentioned to me. I saw the limited range of motion, but the pain issue mom had never mentioned until it was gone. And the reason she mentioned it being gone was because I had, you know, saw the restriction. So we worked on arm raise on the other side, the easy side, uh, saw these other restrictions, worked on the plantar flexion of the ankles. In my uh, retelling of the story, it was three weeks from me returning and started starting total motion release to complete resolution of her toe walking. Mom says it happens in, happened in two weeks. My memory is three. But regardless, we had worked months to get her off her toes. 
three weeks after completing my, my first course and working with this very same child, which ended up, it certainly falls into a case study category, almost scientific because the same therapist doing two different techniques, Mm -hmm. there's no way that would have resolved in three weeks with the traditional approaches. But the bonus, the kicker was that all of her pain at her port was gone. She was sleeping and relaxed in a typical fashion, and she no longer had pain when they gave her her medication either, ever. She had increased range. Had I not done it myself, I would have questioned the story, but that's exactly how that went. Now, some weeks later, the mother had called me and said, Heather, we're supposed to go camping tonight. Is there any way you can do anything for me? I can't even stand up. I can't walk. My back is killing me. Over the phone, you know, asked me this. And I said, you know, number one, you're not my patient. Number two, I can't see you. But here are some basic concepts of total motion release that you can work on. Get, you know, gave her the way to assess herself, treat herself. She said she was better enough that she was able to walk, go camping. And by the next day, her symptoms had resolved. And that was over the phone, never even seeing her. So this is the same family. And of course, I have more stories. Um, we have time for one more. Sure. This is amazing. I mean, I feel like this is a whole physical therapy lesson in itself. I'm loving it. And I know our listeners are going to love it. So yes, one more, definitely. Okay. Well, because I do pediatrics, the pediatric cases, um, there's plenty. Um, And as I'm telling you the one more, I want to tell you about my dad, because that was something that I found, again, really interesting uh, as far as it's a case study of different approaches being used. The pediatrics cases, I could go on and on with quite a few, some super interesting cases and ways that I've really seen total motion release to be effective and powerful. But with my dad, again, I, I am a ped specialist. I've been working pediatrics my entire career, shy of a, a little stint in geriatrics and in skilled nursing and a little touch of orthopedics here and there. So I am truly a pediatric specialist and my dad knows it. When my dad was having issues, he is a golfer. He owns a golf course and he couldn't golf. That can't be. I mean, literally that can't happen uh, to my dad if I have any ability to try and impact it. But again, typically I don't step in because I really am not good with adults in physical therapy treatment, hopefully socially. (laughs) But he had been going to a local therapist for months. He'd had knee surgery, arthroscopic knee surgery, And his knee pain was no better. So when he would stand up and go to swing, you get a twist to that knee. He was also having shoulder pain. So I said, you know, dad, let's just try. It can't hurt. Let's just see if you do some of this total motion release. I even researched it a little further to make sure I was working with a good adult approach. And the hard thing and the reason I wanted to share this story is my dad's in his 70s. He has been an athlete his entire life. And as a result, he is all about good pain. He's all about pushing through the pain. He's all about it's got to hurt or it's not working. So it was super hard for me to get him to understand that I only wanted him to work the easy side. So we did a ton of stuff and he was actually quite complicated. I had to really dig deep to get to his exact issues. But the shorter version of the story is simply that Initially, 
he completely fell back into his routines. He, let's say it was his arm and he, we did work on his arm, but the easy arm, you know, as well as a few other functions helped so much that he's like, look how great I am. Look what I can do. And he starts doing a ton on the, the bad side. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. He's like, but it, it feels better and I can do it. Okay. But wait, let's get it to stick first. Let's you've got temporary relief. That's not necessarily long-term and I don't want you to re-injure it and undo all this great stuff we just did. So I had to do quite a few sessions to help him kind of understand as well as I'd work with my stepmom who really helped because she got it a little bit faster than my dad. Who's it's not about intelligence. It's about routine and what's ingrained in you. And so my stepmom was able to watch him and, and kind of correct him. Well, he sent me a message just the other day. Uh, you know, I worked with him again and he is back golfing practically pain-free. And he said, I really know what you did made the difference. Of course, I'm his daughter. So I guess like you could say that's part of it, but my dad wouldn't say that. My dad isn't one to just give credit where credit isn't due. And the fact is he had done months of the other therapy. I asked him to stop the other therapy, at least for a few weeks. And if what I did didn't help, then please go back. But to mix them would be problematic. Mm -hmm. So you know, I asked him to just do the total motion release for a bit, which he did. And his knee is a lot better. I need to get back with him. Um, I've been a little busy, <laughs> but I need to get back with him and perhaps tweak it and improve it just that notch better. But he's back golfing and that's what his life needs. He's retired. He should be golfing. And unfortunately, traditional therapies were not getting it for him and he was not improving. Wow. Well, two things stand out to me. One is your passion for helping people. I can just see it. And especially in a therapist who has been practicing for 20 plus years, I think you are just a leader in that aspect that you can still be inspired and be so helpful as a therapist to keep doing this. And this is what it's all about. It's all about the patient and it's all about helping people. And it's just great to see that listening to you and watching you and see how inspired you are to continue to help make a difference. And I really hope all the listeners are seeing the difference that total motion release can make. I was not aware of this and I'm definitely going to spread the word more because if we can make these changes that are so drastic and so quickly, then I'm sure more and more people will be helped. So thank you for these amazing stories. Yeah, you're welcome. And I can tell you that there are plenty of people out there, many, many, many stories like mine. And there are plenty of therapists out there who have converted their entire practice to total motion release strategies, keeping in mind that it's the platform, it's the foundation. And then you bring in many of your traditional approaches, but it offers benefit and power that I've not seen in anything else. And I know I can help people who... I might've had to have wait, waited until they got out of their cast or were further post-op surgeries because they're not permitted by their doctor to move a limb. I can actually help them from the start. Um, can I tell you about a little study? Sure. Okay. Um, so it doesn't sound um, just that it's practice or case studies. There's actually a study out there uh, because the reason I, I jumped there and thought about it was that a young lady I was working with post arm fracture, her mom commented to me, I so wish you had been working with her while she was in her cast, because I feel like she would have been fine when she got out of her cast, everything you've done. She was eight months post arm fracture. By the time I got my aunt, my hand, well, no hands on her. 
got my directions to her via telehealth. And because she lives several hours from me, I could not certainly work with her in person. But her mom commented that she wished she could have had these strategies when she was in her cast. And the study that I wanted to tell you about is that there's a recent study. It was published in the New York Times is where I saw it. There's links on my page and everything. But they took a bunch of college students, otherwise typical college students, casted their left arm, left their right arm free. They were all right-handed. They had a control group which went through their normal function, used their hand, their free hand as they would. The other hand was limited and casted. The study group was asked to do wrist extensions only. No wrist flexion, just wrist extensions. Some sort of routine they were supposed to do throughout the day. I I don't remember all the specifics of the study, just the exciting parts. Um, Of course, the wrist was measured for size, muscle mass, as well as strength prior to casting. Fast forward ahead to the end of the study, they removed the casts, and as you'd expect with the control group, they had a loss of muscle mass and a loss of strength. However, the group given the wrist extension had maintained or increased the wrist strength on the casted side, had not lost any muscle mass in extension, but in flexion, they had. They lost strength in flexion. So they saw a very direct correlation with that mirroring effect through the body. They were also able to put electrodes onto the casted side. And when the individual extended the non-casted side, they could sense the contraction of the muscle on the casted side. So a very, very cool study, not specifically related to total motion release, but very directly related. Mm-hmm. And just super cool where I, you know, a lot of people are asking, where are the studies, where are the studies? And there's actually a lot of studies out there, some directly related to total motion release, some indirectly, as this one was not specifically about it. And there's a lot of studies that are about to be published. But that one was really fun to read because typically as therapists, we're like, okay, come back after you get out of your cast. Well, what if we can prevent problems by treating them while they're casted. I have a young man who's about to have spinal surgery and mom said, well, we're going to, the doctor said no therapy until six weeks post spinal rod placement. I said, okay, we need to talk to him because I really want him in while he's got the rods as quick post-op. And they're like, oh, they're worried about the scar. We won't be, we won't be touching the scar. I won't be doing rotations. I won't be doing bending. I won't be doing flexion or extension. We won't be touching the scar. The scar will be totally safe, but We can do arms, we can do legs, and all these things that are going to keep his body strong and functional and get him back to normal function way faster. It is just so amazing the change we can make. I agree 100%. I think that even for total knee replacements, for total hip replacements, etc., there is data showing that if you exercise beforehand, the stronger you are going into surgery, the better outcomes and results you will have. I just think we have to educate and spread the word to physicians and patients and everywhere else because you are exactly right. Well, you have shared so much value, but I'm going to ask you just one more question. What advice do you want to give to new healthcare entrepreneurs or people thinking about becoming healthcare entrepreneurs? I would say weigh out what your life looks like, how much time you can commit to something new like this. What does your support system look like? Do you have a spouse or a significant other that's 
going to be able to support the fact that you are possibly going to have less time and are going to have more stress. Do you have children? Are they in a situation where you can take time away in some sense? Can you set time aside to do what you need to do and not feel guilty about significant effects to your personal life and your family? Are you at a point in your life where you really need a change? Because you could fail. Um, And I've already had failures along this path. And that was a huge barrier for me. I am a high achiever. I am a perfectionist. I do not like failure. I'm not good at failure. (laughs) And I know that about myself. And so I had to seriously think through, okay, I kind of am a worst case scenario person. What happens if I fail? What happens? And can I deal with that? And once I could answer yes to that question, and as well as other people saying, you know, well, it's a shot to your ego, but shy of that, it's, you've learned a ton. And I didn't know I would learn all this along the way. So I'm looking at the negatives there, I guess. But those are huge financially. Are you able to support this new venture? You know, and spend a lot of time doing your best to research before you jump fully in, because there's going to be a lot more to it than you ever realized. However, at this point, even though I hit several places that I thought the adventure was going to end because of issues that I didn't think were surmountable, at this point, it's super exciting. And even if this doesn't go the way I expect or the way I hope it to, I have no regrets about all of the time I've spent and all of the lessons I've learned, the people I've met along the path, and all of those aspects. I do hope that it's successful because I see it being the next chapter for me. I see this being something that I could really help people with. And I see this being something that's a need in the community and in the world. It's just an untapped need to a great degree at this moment. So really, I guess the concept is just do your best to even literally make a pros and cons list and figure out all those things. I interviewed a pediatrician I work closely with. I interviewed my employer. I talked to friends. I talked to many, many people before I made the leap to get those counter arguments to see. And, you know, I know the pediatrician said to me, how are you going to do pediatric therapy online? You have to touch the patient. And as soon as I was able to explain it to her, she was right on board. And the next thing I know, I've got a page of ideas that she's dishing out to me, all sort of exciting ideas And I also was super careful to speak to Tom Delonzo Baker and Susan Bloom, physical therapists, you know, but who started the Toad Motion Release. I had to talk to them and say, this is what I'm looking at. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes, make sure it was all complimentary and everything I did helped them and vice versa, really trying to make sure there's no bridges burned and that you're just helping as many people as possible. So that's what pops into my mind right now. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful advice. You want to make sure that you jump in with a strategy and a tested solution or business because it is going to be a lot of time, energy, money, and especially for you with the legal side, working with other professionals, you want to make sure that everyone is on board and helping each other. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing your amazing knowledge, your inspiration, your joy and excitement for helping people and for total motion release. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. 
And if any of you would like to get in touch with Heather to learn more about becoming a pediatric physical therapist and pediatric telehealth therapist, you can go to her website, Abilaby Therapy, Unique Therapy for Unique Kids at abilabytherapy.com. She also has a Facebook group, Pediatric Physical Therapy Telehealth, which is also open to any health profession. And lastly, her Facebook page. I hope you enjoy and learn from these resources as she really has expertise in total motion release. Thank you so much for listening to the Therapist on Fire podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. You can find the show notes for this episode as well as any others at debtfreept.com slash podcast. And if you have a burning desire to become a telehealth therapist, entrepreneur, or other amazing healthcare professional, then remember to subscribe so you can keep listening to more amazing episodes and spark your next career.